I thought just to encourage you, um, I'll show you a couple examples of people who may have had bad days. So maybe your bad day doesn't quite look so bad. This, this is what happens when Vanessa leaves and leaves Ricky in charge of the boys. <laughs> no idea how Jer got that Sharpie, but um, he had a lot of fun. I mean, how hard is it to watch two kids? One doesn't even move. It just stays there. <laughs> Only has to watch one. So um, if, if any of the songs, have you ever drag your, your, your cord around behind your lot, your uh, vacuum cleaner, you know, when you're vacuuming the house, you just drag it. Well, if you're going out of the elevator, do not drag your cord behind you because the elevator door will close on it and it will go up to like the 12th floor and uh, the vacuum doesn't go with it. That, that's, that's a bad start to the day. I don't know how Garrett thought he could make it over that pole, but he didn't make it. This is, this is Doug on a bad Sunday. Sometimes you, you never look at his shoes. You look at his shoes every once in a while. He wakes up, one's brown, one's black. He doesn't walk around a lot. If he's ever standing just like this, you know that his shoes don't match. <laughs> this was Rachel Brown on her way to school last week. She was texting, hey, Terry, I think I'm going to... And then she looked up and everything was stopped. But thankfully, she stopped before she got to the car in front of her, but her smoothie did not stop. It continued all over the car. <laughs> this person, this person re will remain um, anonymous to protect them, but Doug should not have brought his cell phone in there in the first place, so I don't know why it was in there. This is great. My wife wrote this note, so I don't understand. I have a screw in my tire, and I'm waiting for AAA to come. Please do not give me a ticket. Thanks for your understanding. Ah. And then the guy puts a ticket right underneath the note. Uh, this is really a bad day. You can't wait to get that chocolate donut. Now you have to figure out, do I lick the chocolate off and then eat the donut, or do I eat the donut, then lick the chocolate off? I don't know what the solution is, but that is, that's, a, that's a deal. This is why I do not sleep in sofa beds. That, that's, that's, just, that's having a really bad day. This person leaves, leaves their, their, their house, their apartment with their lanyard, their house keys on their lanyard, it hooks on the doorknob, they pull the door closed as the keys swing inside the house. <laughs> the keys are inside, the lanyard's outside, and so is the person. <laughs> you gotta love it. This is what happens when I cook when the playoffs are on. That is not a double chocolate chip cookie. That is a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> If you guys watch the playoff game, you, you, you just don't cook when the playoffs are on. That's just how it is. So thankfully, pizza code delivers, so we still ate dinner. Let me see. I think there might be another one. No, that's it. So if you have a bad day, you know, sometimes it just happens. This is what I call a Doug Anition. What's a Doug Anition? A Doug Anition is a definition that Doug comes up with that you never heard before, but it's pretty good, right? This was Doug Anishin of uh, faith. He says, biblical faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Isn't that a great definition? I love that definition. So we're going we're gonna to continue with this theme of um, faith. You know, and when you think about that definition of faith and what faith really is all about, the real challenge with that is that, that it's just so daily, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the hard part of it? Is that you just you get up and, and sometimes days just don't go the way you think they're going to go. 
And in the midst of days not going the way you think they're going to go, you still know that God is God and he's going to do what he wants to do. But you know, sometimes it just doesn't feel that way, does it? You go, you know, God, it would be nice if maybe you did things a little bit different. And so the challenge with just having a faith that is exercised is that it gets exercised every day. And sometimes um, it's not really the way that we would like to have it exercised. And sometimes what he's doing, we really don't like. And we just wonder if he's as good as he says he is, you know? You ever feel that way? So we're going to go through a book um, today and uh, next Sunday. Yeah, whole book. It's the book of Genesis. It's what's that? 135 chapters or something. <laughs> now, we're going to go through the book of Ruth. So let's turn together to, to Ruth 1. If you haven't read Ruth, it's a great book. It's in the Old Testament, towards the beginning of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Judges, Ruth. If you get to 1 Samuel, you went too far. If you get to Psalms, you really went too far. <clears throat> This Sunday, we're going to look at Naomi. So we're going to look at faith in the context of Naomi. And then next Sunday, I want to look at faith in the context of Ruth. But man, I love Naomi. I think this book should have been called Naomi. I think she's an amazing woman. So let's read the first five verses of Ruth 1, starting with verse 1. Now, it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. So there's a famine, and they decide they need to go where there's food. Verse 2, the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of her two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. How could he do that to her? And she was left with her two sons, and they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there for about 10 years. Then, get this, Malon and Chilion also die. And the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. That is a day that starts off bad and gets worse, isn't it? Can you imagine... Naomi's going, this is not good. She goes to a foreign land because they need food. The provider of the food passes away. So now it's just her and her two sons. They go, well, we need to carry on the name, so we're going to get ourselves wives so that we can carry on the name. And then those two pass away. And here is Naomi by herself in a land that um, is a foreign land, and things are not looking good. Things are not looking too encouraging. This, this is a situation where things do not go as you planned them, right? So what I want to do is kind of look at that and, 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 and look at what are some of the principles in there. And the very first principle that I want, I want to talk about is that life really doesn't always work out the way we planned. That is just a fact of life. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But it's reality. Life just doesn't work out the way we plan, does it? And if you've been someone whose life has worked out exactly the way you plan it, just keep breathing because <laughs> it'll change. It just happens. I don't understand how it happens, but things just don't always work out the way we want them to work out. 
And that's an important principle to understand because if our expectation is, is that that is going to be reality and that things are always going to happen the way we want them to happen, then it'll be a struggle because that isn't. That isn't how life is. And so when we, when we get our arms around that, we can begin to behave in a way that is a lot, a lot more um, productive. Because here's the challenge when we don't understand that, is when things don't work out the way that we think they should work out, if we really expect everything to go our way, a couple things are a problem with that. One, I'm very internalized because it's got to be about me, because I want what I want, how I want it, when I want it, where I want it, where I, and God better be listening, Right? And when that doesn't happen, then I get really bummed out about things. And so then I have a choice of how I want to do. Too many Christians kind of look like this when they don't get things going the way they go, right? And you see them and they're just going, walking around, going, oh, bother. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, life is... uh..." And we just mope around. And that's a challenge because when, when things don't work out the way we do and we really expect that everything should go perfectly, it's very easy to internalize all that stuff and to get really bummed out and depressed and discouraged and we just don't feel good about what's going on. So we need to understand that. And the good news is, is that, is that you know, not only does, wife, does, does life not always work out, but there are things that we see that Naomi does that are very, very encouraging that we can model ourselves after when things aren't going the way that we planned. Because would you agree with me? Things are not looking real good with friend Naomi. Anybody? Okay, I just want to make sure that I'm not reading this wrong. Let's, start, let's go to verse 6 and see what she does. So, so then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters with her, and they went on their way towards to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I, should, um, if I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. So here is Naomi. Things are not going real good, but one of the things that I see that she does that's encouraging is that she realizes that even in the midst of that, when she's facing life's challenges, that you can problem solve. And so when things aren't going right, there's a couple things you can do. You can do the Eeyore thing. And you can just sit and mope and complain and internalize things and complain about how things are, are going and get negative. And, and what that does is it just leads to depression because it becomes a downward spiral. The more we internalize it, the more we think about it, the more we talk about how bad it is and how bad we are and all the things that are going on, the more depressed we get. Or you can be like Naomi and you can start problem solving. 
And this is an exciting thing because in problem solving, there's things that she does that to me help problem solving become something that's more significant. First of all, she stays connected to God's people. She heard that God had visited the land of Bethlehem and had provided food. How did she know that? She stayed connected to God's people. When you stay connected to God's people, you get hope because you, you see who God is and you see what God is doing and you're allowed to, um, to have hope in the fact that even though things may not be working out the way that I think they're going to be working out, I know that God is still God. The enemy's strategy when things aren't going right or at any point in time is to get us to isolate ourselves from God's people. And so often we tend to do that, don't we? Things aren't going the way we think they should go and we just want to isolate ourselves. We just, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And ever feel that way? Just, just don't call, don't text, don't email, just get away. And, and when that happens, the enemy wins. No hope. No encouragement, no support. We just internalize it. And then we just sit in our little rain cloud and be miserable. Naomi allowed herself to be connected to God's people. And she saw what God was doing. And the other thing that, it, that, that she does that I think is powerful is that she becomes others focused. I don't think she became. She is others focused. And in her decision-making process, she was looking at what was best for the people that were in her situation, not necessarily what was best for her. Because what did she say? She said to her daughters-in-law, you guys need to go where you will be taken care of. I am more concerned about you in this situation than I am about myself. If you are feeling discouraged and depressed, the best thing to do is to go serve, to be others-focused to see how God can use you to, to um, serve other people. You know, I think Jesus was pretty smart when he said, you know, if you want to be great in the kingdom, what do you have to be? A servant of all. A servant of all. Because that's what moves us in a positive direction. It's what allows us to be people that are used of God. And some of you may be thinking, so if I problem solve, you know, and I'm in this situation, and I, I try to figure out what I'm going to do, but what, what do I do if I make the wrong decision. You know, what if I, what if I, what if my problem solving takes me down the wrong, wrong path? I think Naomi did a couple things that help her problem solve accurately. One is she stays connected to God's people. If you're trying to solve problems, it's a good idea to run it by people that you know, know Jesus, that you know, know scripture, and that can give you wise counsel. So the decisions that you're making are based on wise counsel. And the second thing is, is, is you know, God has this ability, if we're moving in a direction, to change our direction. And he's really good at, at giving us direction as we're moving. But I tell you, if we're standing still, he can move us any way he wants. And guess where we're going? Nowhere. We're just standing still. So if we're problem solving, we're seeking godly counsel, we're trying to move in a direction, we're serving people, God has the ability to get us where he wants us to be able to be used the way he wants us to, use, to be used. Amen? The other thing that is in, in these verses that I think is really critical is that when, when she is going through a challenging time, that's the time that she draws near to God. So often, again, this is the spiritual battle that we face, isn't it? We're going through challenging times. We don't like what God's doing. We're not happy with the way God's doing it. And what do we do? We, we back away from God. 
We, we disconnect from God's people and we disconnect from God. But we can see that Naomi didn't do that just by her communication. Because in verse 8, as she's talking to her daughters-in-law, she says in verse 8, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have with me. And then in verse 9, she says again, may the Lord grant that you may find rest. See, when somebody continues to draw near to God, they understand that God is the one who's in charge. God is the one who's in control. God is the one who's doing the stuff. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me to know that somebody who is more capable than me is handling things. And Naomi understood that. And that is so important when we're really trying to um, go through tough times. Because one, when we know that God is the one who's in control and our thought process, it gives us peace. But the key to that whole process is, is knowing who God is. Faith is, is believing that God is who he says he is. I mean, if we can understand that and begin to internalize that, that is huge. Because God is who he says he is. Is God loving all the time or part of the time? Is God powerful when he's helping us, but not when things are going wrong? Does he become not unpowerful? No, he's always powerful. Is God always faithful? Is God always just? Is God always loving? Is God always the king of kings? Is God always the Lord of lords? Is there a time where God is not God? Man, if we know that, we could go through difficult times and still be like Naomi and say, the Lord will bless you. The Lord be with you because the Lord is in control of everything. Amen? I mean, that is so huge. And that's the stuff that took her through a situation that was very, very, very difficult and allowed her to make decisions and move forward in a way that was very significant. And you know the exciting thing about that is let's, let's go on and read on for the next uh, 14 to about 18. Because it says, And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Then when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she didn't make any more effort. Wow! Wow! See, here's the thing, is, is when you're going through a tough time, and you know that your God is God, that is very, very attractive. That is very attractive. I mean, this is evidence that Naomi's circumstances didn't determine her relationship. Her God wasn't based on her circumstances. She was very attractive to Ruth because Ruth wanted what Naomi had. Ruth looked at Naomi's God, and Ruth looked at her gods. And she said, I want your God. Now, did she say, I want your God because everything was going good? Well, I want your God because, man, you really have it made. Was that it? No. There was something in Naomi that even in the midst of times that just were miserable, 
She was a person that demonstrated that her God was so much superior to all of Ruth's gods. That Ruth goes, I want your God. And if your people have your God, I want your people too. And I want to be where you're at with your God. And I want to die where you're at with your God. What a powerful testimony that is. And here's a challenge that we face. Because when we're walking through life, we don't write the story. Who writes the story? Who is the director of the story? Who knows the end of the story? Do we? No. So who do we get to be? Players. And, and we try to figure out or, or be in a walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. And sometimes because we don't know the end of the story, light shines brightest when it's darkest. And people look at us and we're going through circumstances that don't make sense, that aren't any fun. And they go, wow, why does that person have so much peace? Why does that person behave differently? Why is that person so much more loving? Why is that person so much caring? Why does that person think about me when they're way more miserable than I am? Man, that is a powerful message that gets sent. And Naomi was sending that message. She wanted what was best for her daughters-in-law when things were worst for her. And her servant's attitude, I think, um, spoke volumes. You want to be an evangelist? Just be transformed by God. You want people to see Jesus? Just learn how to serve people. You want people to want your God? Learn how to be humble before God and serve other people. They will be attracted to your God as they were attracted to Naomi's God. And we read this and we go, man, but, you know, I just don't want to be that phony person, you know, that, that, you know, how are you doing? Jesus loves me, this I know, yeah, 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 you know what I mean? It's, but, but here's the encouraging thing. As we read the rest of this chapter, that really wasn't Naomi. Because as we read this, starting in verse 19, it says, so they both went until they, until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? So they're coming into town and the women are all talking to each other. And it probably wasn't just the women. It was probably the men too, but it just says the women. Um, they're talking to each other and go, is this Naomi? Why would they say that? Well, here's my guess, because it doesn't really talk a lot about it. But if she was going through hard times, in Moab, if her husband wasn't there to provide for her and her two sons weren't there to provide for her, who was providing for her? Her, exactly. So, so she may not have been provided for as well as she could have been. So she might have been aged significantly. She might have been a lot thinner. I mean, she might have been significantly different because of the experience that she went through. And so people are going, wow, it's, she didn't look like that when she left. Okay, people say that about me all the time. Wow, is that him, man? So she said to them, this is so important. She says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, here's the thing. Is God always God? 
I'm glad we're getting this established. You know, the good thing about education is you just repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, God is always God. Do we always like what God's doing? No. Are we always just joyful about what God's doing? Do we always understand what God's doing? Is, you think God's big enough for us to be a little bit bummed out at him? You know, it's the, the richness of having a relationship with God is we don't have to be phony people. We can be real. She says, don't call me Naomi. I, I'm not pleasant. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. I just went through the worst 20 years of my life. I'm bitter. But she says something that really talks about her relationship with God. Because she said, I went out full, but the Lord, who? brought her back empty? The Lord brought me back empty. She said that the Almighty, who? The Almighty has afflicted me. I am in the middle of God's plan. Uh, I'm not enjoying it a whole lot, but you know what? It's God's plan, and I'm in the middle of God's plan, and God is doing what God is doing. Now, I tell you, there's, there's an ability, I think, to have a peace and a contentment and a joy without being real happy. Now, happiness is really circumstantial, isn't it? I'm happy because this happens. I'm happy because that happens. Because it's based on what happens. Joy is based on who our God is. And it has no, nothing to do with what happens. It has everything to, be, to do with who our God is. And sometimes our God does things and our God is moving in ways that we just don't know. We just don't get it. But he's still God, and he's still doing what he's doing. And when we can trust that, we can be like Naomi, and we can go through life when it doesn't make sense, when, when it really doesn't, it's not the way we planned. And yet we can have a, a, a contentment of knowing that God is God, God is good, God loves me, God is faithful, God is capable, God has a plan, God's plan will work out the way he wants it to work out, and I get to be a part of it. I and mean, when we know that, we can go through things that don't make sense to us in a way that really honors him, and people see that and go, wow, I want, I want that God. I want that God. It is, it's a rich, rich thing when we can be people who really can be honest about our feelings with God and with each other. And you know, it's, it's, as, as, we, as we connect with each other and we're honest with each other about our feelings, that's a time when we really can support and encourage each other because there's nothing wrong with being honest about our feelings. What, what the challenge is is when we begin to get into the Eeyore mode and we just sit and be miserable and do nothing about it. And even at times, that is necessary. That is necessary in the, in the, in the healing and problem-solving process. But when we can take the steps like Naomi did and begin to get godly counsel, connect to the body, draw near to God, allow God to give us direction, allow God to bring healing to us, serve other people, and, 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 then, and then God is, allow, is allowing to take us in the direction that he wants to take us. And we will be attracted to people. And I'll tell you the thing for me that when I read this story and I read Ruth that I just, I love this book and I kind of wanted to, to preach on it just because 
I've, I've seen this stuff lived out. I've seen it, I've seen it kind of happen, and um, it's God calling. Did, did I say something wrong? <laughs> um, you know, and it, to me, it's just so encouraging when you can see God doing um, His work. And, and for me, you know, about 10 years ago or so, you know, Marge and I were... Um, we had our life all planned out, and we had things all together, and we knew exactly what we wanted to happen. And, and she started to, um, this is, like, is it too late? Am I supposed to stop? <laughs> um, you know, she, she started having back pains, you know, and, and her back started bothering her, and she started um, being uncomfortable. It was limiting what she was able to do, and uh, it just got progressively worse. And so we, you know, tried to figure out what's the right thing to do, and you know, how do we help? And we got some counsel, talked to doctors, and yada, yada, yada. And so the decision was she needs to have surgery. So she had surgery on her back, fused some discs on her back that was supposed to solve everything, you know, because my wife was the active person. I mean, she water skied better than me. She snow skied better than me. She played golf better than me. So she liked to do all those things. And so um, it always gave me a challenge to see if I could ever beat her on any of those things. Now I can, actually. Um, but, you know, she, she was a very active person. I mean, she did a lot of stuff. And after the, the back surgery, things really changed. She went into a famine, basically. Her, it got worse. Instead of just being um, less mobile, she became immobile. Instead of it being painful, it became debilitating. And she went through a period, well, still, where she, she literally could not function. You know, and, and, and she was teaching at the time, and literally we had to set it up so she could teach two days, have a day off, teach two days, have the weekend off, teach two days, have a day off. And so her, her schedule was basically, she'd go to work on Monday, teach, come home, go to bed, cry all night, get up the next morning, go to work, come home, cry, stay home Wednesday, cry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just the same thing, that's what she did. And so... What was, what was part of her life changed. Things died in her life. Teaching died in her life. Her ability to do things died in her life. Her mobility died in her life. And, and what she had was pain, just pain, 24-7, all day, all night, all the time. Well, you know, when, when you propose and you say, you know... I commit myself to you, you know, and then we say for better or for worse and stuff. No, we don't really mean that, right? It's not, you're not supposed to have the worst part. It's like for better or better. It's not, you know, better or worse. But, you know, there was a period where it was a challenge for her physically, emotionally. She, she was mad at God. She, she was mad at the world. She, all the things that was a, what, what she was about, she lost. I mean, she's just in pain all the time, all the time. And she went through a period where she, she was really struggling with, you know, God's really not all that good of a God, you know? But in the process of that, God was working, you know, and God did some really, really good neat stuff. Just as Naomi went through this process, 
She starts problem solving. She connects to people in the body. She decides, hey, you know, I can either be in pain in bed or I can be in pain doing stuff. Either way, I'm going to be in pain. So I might as well be in pain and do something. And so she started connecting more. I mean, there are people that are just awesome people that are Christian friends of ours that just connected with her and and gave her hope and started talking to her about things that just challenged her and encouraged her and gave her hope. She started coming to Grace Group and was connected with people in our Grace Group and started building relationships within our Grace Group. And she became attractive. People that are at her school started calling her saying, hey, I need to talk to you. And she started having an impact on people that weren't Christians, but they, they saw stuff in her that was there was stuff that was attractive. And now she's caring for people in the church here and doing some discipleship and having an impact because life doesn't always work out the way you plan it. So the question is, is God going to be able to use you where you're at? Because he doesn't change and his purposes don't change. And, and the, the way that he can use us sometimes is much more powerful the way he's doing it, than the way we want him to do it. Because here's the reality. He writes the story. Amen? We are players in the story. And the thing that just totally blows me away is that I get to be a player in the story. You ever had somebody that wants to help you? And they help you, and it's, it's, just, it's worse than if they would just stay away, you know? And the more they try to help, the worse it gets, and you just want to go, just stop, just, just stop. I feel like so often that's how it is with God. You know, he goes, okay, Dave, God, I want to help, I want to help. And I try to help, and I mess it up worse than, than I ever could be. But, but that's how God is with us. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't, isn't that awesome? That the almighty God, the creator of the universe, lets us be a part of his story. And he lets us love people that are so critical to him. People that he died for. He lets us love them. He lets us be Jesus to them. And he lets us mess it up. And somehow he's able to fix it. And the the encouraging thing about life is, is that when it doesn't work out the way that we think it's going to work out, God knows what he's doing. And he has a plan that's perfect. And his plan is for our good, not for evil. And I know that there are people in this this church that that are struggling physically. They're in pain. God still is God. I know there are people that are struggling relationally. There are people that are struggling financially. There are people that are struggling socially. There's people that are struggling in a lot of different areas of their life. But you know, God is still God. And God still has a plan for each one of us. And his plan is going to further his kingdom and glorify his name. And we get to be a part of it. I mean, that is such good news. So I encourage you, in the midst of where you are, first continue to draw near to God and continue to connect with the people of God. And in the midst of that, God will allow you to problem solve. He'll allow you to move forward. And you are going to find that you're very attractive 
when God 